Go with me to Hebrews 4 and John chapter 1. Hebrews 4. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. And piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit. Of both joints and marrow. And able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Go with me to John chapter 1. We'll start in verse 1. In the beginning was the word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and He was in the beginning with God. It's kind of confusing. Verse 3, all things came into being through Him, and apart from Him nothing came into being that has come into being. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Go down to verse 14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw His glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Let's pray real quick. Jesus, we pray that as we take a moment to look at Your Word and come to understand the power of the Word of God, I pray that our eyes would be open to the powerful tool that is the words that You speak that we would learn to apply them to our lives, that help us grow and be on the offensive and improve our lives in your name. Amen. Words are funny, right? Like, so I'm, I'm half Canadian. I don't know if you know that, but now you know. Um, and I remember, I remember walking into Walmart in Chehalis, um, cause that was what I did when I lived in Centralia. How many guys know where Centralia is? I make this joke all the time. It's where you go to the bathroom on your way to Portland, right? Um, but if, if I was bored on a night and didn't have anybody to hang out with, I would go to Chehalis and just people watch and go into Walmart and just wander. And I, I walked in and I, I had to go to the bathroom and I walked up to the lady and said, hey, um, where are your guys' washrooms? Because washrooms is what Canadians call bathrooms, right? And so she looks me in the face and goes, we don't sell those here. It's like, okay, I don't get how you got that. I need your restroom. Oh, cool. Or like, I'll tell Brittany, hey, can you throw this in the boot for me, which is the trunk of our car, right? Because that's what Canadians call trunks. They call it the boot. And Brittany's like, you don't have boots, and why would I throw this large object into your boots, right? (laughs) You know, words are funny. Words are funny because they have a huge impact, right? Like, We see in the book of James that words can build and make life great, but words can also tear us down. You know, some of us have had people say some pretty mean words to us that have traveled with us for a long time. Some of us have had people say really nice things to us that we still cherish to this day. And when when I say the word of God, because we hang on this idea of the word, Some of us, words are negative. Some of us, words are positive. When we say the word of God, your understanding of what that means probably means something different than the person next to you. The word of God is complicated, but it's simple. I mean, it's not just the scripture, right? It's not just the app on your smartphone. The word of God is also that still small voice that you hear when you need to make a major decision. It's 
that overwhelming sensation you feel when you're out in nature. It's the settling of your soul in peace. It's when your friend gives you an encouraging word and you know there's a little bit more behind it. It's this fancy Christianese word we say called the prophetic where someone can confirm as God's speaking through them what's going on in your life. We give you a glimpse of what's coming. The word of God is more than just scripture. And yet scripture is our easiest access to the word of God. Scripture is the day in, day out, sits on our nightstand, hides in our backpack, sits in our phones, exposure to the word of God. Why is the word of God important? Well, it's powerful. I'm going to talk about that. But the word of God is also great because it helps us come to understand Jesus. It helps us see God. Jesus says himself later on in John, he says this, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. When, when we're trying to grasp and have an idea and understand who this God person is that we serve, the quickest way to get to know him is to read the word. It's in essence stalking someone on Instagram and reading their bio and then meeting them in real life, right? You ever, you ever ran into someone like, and you're like, I know, Brittany and I were in a coffee shop yesterday, and we're like, we know that we know this person. We know that we know them. And I realized later that I knew them because they were a friend of a friend that I had seen on Instagram, right? And I was like, oh, that's how I know them. This is the problem I think a lot of us have with the word of God. It's because we're not exposing ourselves to coming to understand what the word of God is through Scripture we don't know how to see it operating in our lives as we go about life. Because we haven't taken the time to look into the bio of God, to look into how he operates and what makes him tick. And from the Old Testament to the New Testament, everything in between, we get pictures and understandings of God. And then we'll say things like, I don't think he's speaking. And yet, we haven't equipped ourselves to understand that voice. Word of God is important. Just three thoughts tonight and we'll be done. Three simple thoughts if you're taking note. The first one is this. The Word of God helps us grow. It says in Hebrews 4, we just read it, challenging thought that Scripture helps discern our heart and intentions. James 1 puts it this way. James 1 verse 22, But prove yourselves doers of the Word, and not merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man is blessed in what he does. Mirrors are humbling, right? You ever woken up one morning and like, man, this outfit is sweet. I look good. I'm confident. I'm feeling myself, right? And you walk in front of the mirror on your way out the door and you're like, what was I thinking? Uh, <laughs> Brittany does that for me. Brittany is my mirror now, right? I look cool. No, you don't. Okay, I'll go change again. But this is in essence what the Bible does, man. It is really easy for us to get in the routine of dysfunction and sin and call it normal because it really isn't costing us anything. And I'd be willing to bet, though, 
Those of us who have areas in our lives where we're consistently missing the mark, the Bible calls it sin, when we know good and choose not to do it, I'd be willing to bet that there's probably a closed Bible that hasn't been opened in a while. This is a challenging thought. This is hitting me. Areas in my life where I'm growing, pretty directly related to my exposure to the Word of God. Seasons of my life where I'm stagnant and staying the same and missing major things that I should be seeing. Bible's been closed for a while. The Bible has the ability to cut through our fakeness and go straight to the heart of the matter. To cut straight through the security blanket that we throw up of pride or the security blanket we throw up of feeling successful and cut right to the, Scripture says, the, the, the division between spirit and soul, in essence, the core of who we are. A lot of us avoid Scripture because we know what it feels like to read it. And yet I find so much solace in John 1 where it says this, that the word is a combination of truth but also of grace. See, a lot of us, we read the scripture and we're just hit with truth constantly. And the problem with truth is this, is it makes us realize where there's a gap in how we're living. And yet we forget that the scripture is also paired with grace. Grace plays just as much a predominant role in scripture where Jesus time and time again is encouraging people, hey, I know you're struggling with this, but stand back up and keep going. Hey, I know you fell short. Hey, I know you were caught in the moment. Hey, I know you made a mistake, but stand back up. The Bible, the word of God, not only will prove and show to us where we need to improve, but will give us the capacity to get there. Not only does it say this is truth and this is the mark, but I'm going to teach you how to walk it out. The Bible helps us grow. Number two is this. Number two is this. The Bible is really practical. I mean, the Bible's cool, right? There's huge wars, kind of gory and bloody at times, right? It's awesome. I think it's cool, whatever. But the Bible's also poetic and beautiful. Song of Solomon. You ever want to blush your cheeks reading the Bible? Read that book. It's awkward. Really awkward. The Bible's full of wisdom. There's actually an entire chunk of the Bible called wisdom literature from Ecclesiastes to Song of Solomon. And Proverbs is a great example of this. You cannot listen to an inspirational speaker and not hear them quote Proverbs. To, to the point of this, this guy wrote this book, I'm forgetting the name of it right now, and he says this, I was unemployed and had no money, got my hands on the Bible, started reading a proverb a day. There's 31 proverbs, you read one a day, right? Months have 30, 31 days. He starts reading it, and he starts applying it to his life, starts noticing themes and pulling them out, and He actually goes from jobless and broke to a millionaire. And in the book he writes, he says this, I accredit most of my success to following the truth I saw in Proverbs. The Bible isn't this ethereal, mystical, futuristic, complicated, hard-to-understand, nebulous book. There are so many practical step-by-steps. I I would encourage you to do this. Next time you're reading your Bible, underline every if-then. If you honor your father and mother, it will go well for you. If you work hard, you will succeed. Yes, that's in Proverbs. If you have self-discipline, you will protect your life. That is in Proverbs. If you sow your money and you're generous, you will have more than enough. 
That's also in the Bible. If I take care of my body, life will go well for me. It's in, the Bible is this tool that we can use for every aspect and component of our lives. From purity to finances to our health to the way we interact with friends to romantic relationships to how we build ourselves up to things that are going to help tear us down, the Bible has information on all of it. The Bible is more practical than we give it credit for. Last, last thought is this, and we'll be done. The Bible's powerful. The Bible is powerful. In Ephesians 6, Paul's writing to the church in Ephesus, and he starts describing this battle that goes on in the spiritual realm that we don't really see, the battle between good and evil, Jesus, the devil, the battle, I guess you could call it for our soul. And Paul starts describing the armor of God, and he says this, if you are going to be effective in this battle, you need to put on the armor of God. And he starts describing this helmet and this breastplate and the shield and this belt and shoes. Then he says this, and pick up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. When we were talking about words when we started, it's interesting to me that what God chooses to describe as our offensive weapon that moves us forward is the thing that if a lot of us were honest has torn us down. Words. A lot of us, the words that we've heard and have been spoken over our lives have really left us pretty beat up. It's almost like the sword was used against us. Yet this is the great thing about the word of God. If the word of God is powerful enough, like we read in John, to create the heavens and the earth, the word of God is powerful enough to cut to the heart and to our intentions, if the word of God is powerful enough to set people free, if the word of God is powerful enough to heal, if the word of God is powerful enough to give direction and be a lamp unto our feet, if the word of God is powerful enough to help us have momentum, if the word of God is power enough to change circumstance, then I want to ask this question. Why do a lot of us never use it? Why do a lot of us not expose ourselves to the Word of God? Why do a lot of us get really convicted and sprint with our Bible for three weeks and then stop? Why do a lot of us fight life, circumstance, tough situations with everything except the weapon that we were given to fight this battle? Why are a lot of us feeling defeated? Why are a lot of us losing the battle in our head? Why are a lot of us stepping backwards? I would ask the question, is it because we're fighting without a weapon? This is the powerful thing about the word of God, is it wins. It wins. It's the thing that Jesus used to fight the devil when he was being tempted. It's the thing he used to create the heavens and the earth. It's the thing that he uses to help us fight our battles. Hey, how much truth do we know? How much the word of God can we recall? How much have we exposed ourselves and started building this weapon? Some of us are fighting with a little tiny pocket knife. Some of us don't even have anything in our hands. 
And yet, if there's anything that's going to help us be victorious, it's truth. Man, when I'm feeling like I have no purpose, Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, to give you a future and a hope. When I'm feeling like I'm a mistake, Psalm says this, you were fearfully and wonderfully made. Your days laid out before you'd even lived one day. God knows the hairs on your head and the plan he has for you. When I feel like I'm defeated, Romans 8, we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. When I feel like I've seen it all, no, no eye has seen, no ear has heard the wonderful things that God has for those who love him. When I feel like I'm being tempted more than I can bear, no, no temptation will come to you more than you can bear, and there is always a way to get out from under it. How big is the sword I'm fighting my battles with? It's interesting, when you look at the armor of God, my last thought, and I'll be done. The armor of God, there's nothing for the back. I was reading commentary on Ephesians 6, and he points out, there's nothing for their back. We are designed in our faith to take ground and to keep moving forward and to be fighting forward with the truth of the gospel. And we're protected as long as we stay facing our adverse, our, our person we're fighting and fighting them with truth. As long as we're leading with truth and facing them, there's nothing that can conquer us. Now, please understand, I'm not saying you start quoting scripture and life gets perfect and a million dollars is in your bank account and you're no longer depressed and the girl you've been chasing for years finally falls in love with you. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is this. Ask yourself the question, am I really in this fight? Am I really in this fight? Or am I just allowing myself to get beat up? instead of standing up for myself with the truth that I know to be true, because I see it in the Word of God. I want to end just gathering in small groups, and and I want to do just one simple thing tonight. We we ended early intentionally. I I want to help grow each other's swords. I want to go around in the group that you sit down with, and I want you to ask this question. Hey, what are you struggling with? What are you facing right now? What are you battling? And then ask the question, do you have truth out of God's word to combat that? Do you know truth in that area yet? If the answer is no, pull out your phone, go to Google, Google the scripture. Because I guarantee it's going to be there. Hopefully someone in your group says, hey, I've been there, I've struggled with that, and this is the truth that I know to be true. So why don't you grab a couple people and start looking through that, asking the question, hey, where are you fighting, where are you struggling? And let's ask the question, do you have truth? to battle that. Hey guys, not to break up your conversations, but I'm just going to pray us out and then you guys are welcome to continue on chatting in your groups. So God, thank you so much for the opportunity to gather here tonight. Lord, I pray that we're able to just take away something from tonight, whether that's from our small groups or anything that Ed said tonight, because we know that we, when we trust in you, you make our path straight and we can believe in your word and we can be diligent in it. So thank you so much for tonight and we say these things in your name. Amen.